Coming from far ends of the globe, headquartered in London and Vancouver, the epitome of podcasts, this is It's a CD World Podcast. A podcast you will never get bored with, topics that will make you smile, people talking about stuff they have no idea what they're talking about. Episode 4, Gears, Gas, and Oil. Two old petrol heads, Clint and JD, talk the world of cars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another CD World Podcast. I'm JD, Jeff, or Fedge, or whatever you want to call me, and I've got my good friend here, Clint. Hello, Clint. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> so I got you back. <laughs> this episode, again, this is something you and I have been talking about for a while, something we've been kind of excited about, because it's a passion of ours, and that is everything and anything that is about cars. Yes. Gas, grease, oil, the smell, the stink, the sound, everything we love. Yeah. You and I are both come from the background of cars, are, are sort of raised with cars or motorcycles in our family. Your dad was a, is a huge motorcycle enthusiast. Yep. <laughs> you are a motorcycle enthusiast. For the, for the layperson. <laughs> for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, this episode, we're going to be talking about, uh, well, why we love cars and what we love about cars and also about how the car culture is changing um, in good ways and bad ways and and wonderful things like that. So the nostalgic and the direction it's going in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The things are changing, man. The world's changing. Good or bad, it's changing. And so history too, right? Yeah, cars are a big part of history of the world. You know what it's like, you know, look right, right back from Henry Ford, right? Yeah. It changed the it changed the world. Mercedes was his first car. So again, lots of car backgrounds. Me uh during the recession in the 80s my dad bought and sold cars to keep things going he would joke about he would buy a corvette yeah from a man that's getting married <laughs> fix it up and sell it to a guy getting divorced yeah he would <laughs> he would literally do that one after another and there was a store in vancouver called gladstones on kingsway and he would get he would that's where he would get some cars sometimes <laughs> so you know so we were, always had cars around we also had a morgan um we had three of them but one of them in particular which i'll never forget uh it was a bright red one convertible and the original morgans had a wooden back end and it was rotten so he replaced it bought his own welder and everything and that's pretty rare on this side of the pond though too yeah, there, there's not a lot of them around, but the, in our climate, the wet climate, it rotted out. Oh, yeah. So he made a new tube, square tube frame back in for it and put the body on it uh, and then put a Pinto 2 liter in it. So it went like stink. Yeah. Um, what cars can you think about? What, 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 what cars or motorcycle or your dad, again, your dad was big into bikes. Big into everything. So growing up, we would just, you know, we would just have whatever we could afford. And at the time, I mean, uh, back in the early 70s, it, it's not like you had mini wagons or mini um, minivans back then that, that seated so many people. So what my dad would do, because we had three kids, mm -hmm. he would have, he would just have a pickup truck because the pickup trucks <laughs> were always handy. Put a cap yeah. on the back and they'd put a, put a little tiny mini sofa back there. <laughs> Perfect. And that's what we'd get around. That's, that's wonderful. Now, 
we were talking to it was international or fargo the ones that the one that we had was a it was a 19 i think it was a 70 or 72 it was a dodge i think they called them the 100s back then but right. it, but it's almost the identical model of the of the what they like the fargo that was built in canada well, yeah, they were. Wasn't Fargo yeah. a Canadian brand? Yeah, sort of, yes. I don't know the whole history of it, but I know that Fargo was built here in Canada. And at the time, at that time, in the Ontario, uh, Detroit, and all that, all the, they had all these yeah. different uh, manufacturers that, that, I mean, it was the lifeblood of Ontario. But then yes. they started, like, getting rid of and started sending all the, all the um, started closing down all these shops and sending them overseas. That's what got us moving around the, the country. But... That's sort of because International Harvester was also another big one that my dad worked for. Yeah, they made they made the Scout. They had some beautiful trucks, and they got I think they got bought up by AMC. Mm. By, I think the Scout is so, so International Harvester. They you know they were tractors, and they were semi trucks, but they tried entering into the to the car game, and that's when they came out with the Scout. Now the Scout is a good looking vehicle. Yes, it's it's awesome looking at you know you put it right up against the the Broncos and the old um, power wagons. Yeah, it looks great, but they were a lemon. Oh, <laughs> they were garbage back then. They were just they were garbage. The late seventies, I think seventy seven, seventy eight. They had a Traveler uh, version, which is a longer version. They had Scout and the Scout Two, and they were just garbage. They just never lasted. Um, I think we had ours for maybe a year before my dad said, get this thing out of my driveway. Like I kind <laughs> of turning a wrench on it. Yeah. And that goes back to what we were just talking before we started this. How come the best looking stuff are sometimes the worst looking cars? Oh, yeah. Uh, Land Rover Series 2, <laughs> my favorite, but yeah. they're the biggest piece of crap. It's just, you know, it's our, our discovery. I had a, a Discovery Disco Series 2, <laughs> and I love that vehicle. It had low kilometers. One day, a you know, every day when you started, a different dash light would illuminate. Yeah. And one day, certain light came on. Hey, I'm going to go get this checked. Uh, you know, it's never anything serious. Well, it was the overdrive and the transmission. It, it's... <laughs> It was the time. It was the time back then, right? So yeah. in the late seventies, so we, you know, in the late seventies, we're just coming off of like all these muscle cars, and you know, we had the same, you know, nice big block V eights, and you yeah. know, shoved into these little car. Well, what was little back then, but actually just two door coupes that could go straight in a straight line really fast. Right. They were pretty good, and, and things were so easy to work on back then. A ball and hammer and a screwdriver, you can build, you can fix anything. But then. It's when they, and also at the late 70s is when the Japanese market started coming in and they were coming in with, you know, more efficient cars. They were smaller. They were cheaper to run. They were, built they were bulletproof. They were bulletproof. You could, you could wind them up. You could do anything to them and, and uh, they just lasted. Then, then we went, when we got into the 80s, that's when like, oh my God, that's when the GM and all the, a lot of the uh, American manufacturers just created garbage. They were literally just garbage just getting it out even harley davidson is guilty of this we're putting it out there and just getting it into the customer's hands the oldsmobile 455 from the mid 70s yeah 455 cubic inch with 142 horsepower yeah you know like it's they were detuned but you know it, they were not great cars heavy tanks yeah no power anyway we'll take this opportunity to have a little quick break and we'll be right back to you in a moment when we hear from our sponsors can't wait 
Brought to you by Parallel 49 Beer, a great unparalleled beer using regional ingredients inspired by the creator's true love and passion of craft beer. Visit Parallel49Brewing.com for insight into the world of premium Canadian craft beer. All right, here we are. We're back again. Clint and I are talking about cars. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to us. All of my follower, <laughs> I'm sure there's only two out there, <laughs> which is Clint and I, and I'm maybe we can talk Louisa and Kyla to listen. <laughs> so we were talking about cars, we were talking about the 80s and cars and history and stuff. So let's talk about fun stuff. We were talking about the depressing 80s, the zero <laughs> horsepower with big blocks, yeah, uh, and the gas crisis, and favorite cars in history. So we're looking back, we got... You know, there's thousands upon thousands of cars made made all over the world. Tell me a car in history that just sticks out of your mind. What was the first thing that comes to you as a great car? The Chevy Nova. Yes. <clears throat> you saw them everywhere. Everybody had one. They were, for, for the day, they were very reliable, whether you had the straight six. Um, yeah. That, that... Well, it wasn't bad to look at. They had nice seats in it. Um, but they were just, they were just bulky and hammer, or as long as that thing had oil and gas, it would run. Yes. Yes, exactly. They're just good old tough workhorses. They made a million of them and they were cool when they were hot rotted out. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, in the seventies, you'd see them all jacked up with a small block in it. And <laughs> do you remember, like, do you remember? So back then when all the, a lot of the manufacturers like GM had all these different, like they had Pontiac and Buick and all these different versions of the exact same car. So yes. Pontiac had their version, which was, it was of the Nova, which was the uh, Ventura. Right. And who had the Tempest? Wasn't there a Tempest as well? I, yes, it does sound familiar. I'm just that was one of them anyways. They, they had, they just found out, came up with a new name, changed the grill, Call yeah. the color a different color yeah. and different hubcaps. Yeah, <laughs> I mean for cheap you could buy it. You could buy a Pontiac Ventura. It had a, it had a three fifty in it. Yeah, you know you throw some headers on there, throw some funny funny looking tires, and you got yourself a sports car that you just you felt cool driving around in because nothing sounds like a V eight. Correct. There's no substitution for cubic inches. It just, nothing sounds like it. You could get, yes, you could get a v, nice V6 that can pull out more horsepower, but it just doesn't sound the same as the yeah. old V8s. And and when you're trying to look cool, you know, the important thing, when you're trying to look cool on the street and you're at the stoplight and you want to put your foot to the floor and light yeah. up the back end, it's got to yell at you. And that's why you've got to do the V8. <laughs> well, those old cars, you just had to make sure you're going in a straight line. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah. Get the steering wheel first. Yeah, straight first. Yeah. For me, for, for cars that stick out, I always seem to go to Lotus. I was, you, you and I were talking about this earlier. Um, I don't know if it's from James Bond films or my dad's love of racing, um, watching, you know, Indianapolis 500 or whatever it is. But Lotus always sticks out. In particular, the Lotus Elise or Elan, yeah. the old ones from the 60s. Ugly little cars, but they were light, not built very well. <laughs> But they the light with a little bit of horsepower and they would handle like nothing else. There was just some amazing engineering behind them. Um, it, it just always sort of just kind of stuck with me. 
Yeah, I was really like uh, because you know being in Canada as a young kid and stuff like that. I didn't travel too too much until my early twenties, but I didn't realize how much like the influence of Detroit and everything and, and North America cars that we had, but that there was a whole world of cars out there that we have never seen that we we just weren't available to us over here. The first time I remember seeing, well, there's always the Volkswagen Bug. That was the one I was yeah. aware of that we actually had one. Everybody had one at one point, but it was like when I, the first time I saw like an Austin mini and yeah. the first time I saw these like European cars, I was so fascinated with these, you know, other, these little cars that just did things differently. Yeah. And, and I totally agree. It, there just wasn't a market over here. Like seeing the Morgan, my dad had the Morgans. Um, my grandfather worked for Mac Blow, so we, he would always take clients and us out to dinner down at Freight Bakers, the attic in West Vancouver. Right. And he had one of the original Austin Martin James Bond cars in a glass booth out in front. He used as a as an attraction, and just being an absolute awe of this. It was so exotic. The lines, the look, the everything about it. I everybody be upstairs having fun, drinking and smoking, and you know enjoying life. I'd be downstairs with my nose glued to this glass, <laughs> yeah. working at every inch for hours. And you know what's funny about the James Bond you were just saying, you know, seeing the nice, beautiful Austin Martin. And the one, there's one, there's one movie that James Bond did and they had of all freaking cars in the world that they had to put in this damn movie. They put the bloody uh, AMC Hornet. Yes. That stupid Hornet that did the, the spiral jump. Jump. Yeah. Everything America has to offer. That's the car you're going to pick for a James Bond film. I think it's because now I think, if I, I could be wrong, which I usually am. <laughs> uh, AMC was involved in financing it. It's one of the first movies, or it's when product placement became so profitable or necessary in filmmaking. So it wasn't like a stunt thing. They said, we, we, need, we need this type of car to do it. Or... Or, or it was like AMC said, here's a bucket of money. All the cars in this film are our cars. Yeah, I'm curious how that played out. It just when you think of all the cars that you know, uh, uh, Detroit and, and North American cars come in, but that's the one they're going to pick. Especially over on the other side of the pond, you've got all these wonderful cars over there. The the you know the BMWs, the you know oh. all the different Mercs and and the different versions of different cars that that just aren't available to us here. Yes, I agree, and and uh, that is actually a very good point. We should do an episode on how cool James Bond cars are. <laughs> yeah. So now talk about cars that just really stick out. What car sticks out that you absolutely hate? What car sticks out in your mind that, oh, no, hate's a strong word, right? We, we, don't want, <laughs> we don't want to preach hate here. But a car that just, no, it doesn't, it, no, it's not for you. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, we we had we probably owned most of those shitty cars. Uh, <laughs> my parents had we we had a we had an AMC Hornet station wagon, and I tell you, I was so embarrassed when my when my parents drive me to school. And I said, "Over here, I'll, I'll walk. I'll walk. It's okay." I, you know, <laughs> I wanted to show up in that thing. Did it have wood on the sides? Or oh yeah, oh yeah, it had wood. It was like the faded red. And the whole ass end sunk on it because it just had no re- suspension on it. Was it an inline six? I don't remember what it was under the hood. I remember the stupid door handles that they had, and if you didn't quite grab it good enough, it would it would it would uh, flick back on your fingers and pinch them. 
<laughs> and if you roll down the window, you know, you just hope the hell that it was going to roll back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, we've all had those cars, you know, the electric cars. We had a, a Volkswagen Jetta that did that, put the power window down, and then halfway down, it goes zoop, down into the door. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, they all can do it. I, geez, I don't know if I had to think back to to a few. There was a few Fords I didn't like. I didn't wasn't too keen on the Probe, the Ford Probe. Oh yeah, it was popular though when they came out in the '89 because uh, the yeah, ran, but that was a Mazda car. Yeah, but stole that from Mazda. Yeah, it was well. That's when Ford and Mazda were in bed there for yeah. a while. But um, I, I think I would take a uh, a Pacer yeah. over a Probe. I just, I, I don't know. Even the name. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a new Probe. Every time I think of Pacer, I always think of an upside down fishbowl. Yeah, <laughs> silicone all that, and just shove some water in there, make a fishbowl that would look cool. Yeah, well, they're still cool. <laughs> You remember the gremlin? It looked yeah. like a cheese driving on the road. But you know, the, see, now that's the thing. I like a lot of the old AMCs. What was it? Yeah, the Matador you talked about. Now that was the yeah. ugly one. It's just so yeah. ugly. Yeah. It, uh, but I tell you, now beautiful cars. Now, how about this? This is this. I know we didn't talk about write this down, but there are a lot of gorgeous, beautiful cars. Oh, Not necessarily do you even have to like them. But we're just gorgeous to look at. Yes. And for me, what sticks out immediately in my mind is a Morgan. Yeah. I I just find that to be the lines, the styling, yeah. the the sex appeal. I, yeah. I mean I, I could go back to I could go to the traditional sixty seven Corvette big block with the stinger hood and that's what I was gonna say. You know, that to me looked like a shark on land. Yeah, a stinger stuck right out. Um the Camaros, the late 60s Camaros were just so sexy looking. They were just, they're beautiful. They were just every angle you looked at it, um, you could sit and stare at it. Yeah. And the, the, there was a real art in the design. Like yeah. so they, they, you could follow the lines through, right? Yeah. Or how about this? We were talking about this earlier. The Volkswagen thing. <laughs> yes. Which you don't see any anymore. No, and they're I worth a fortune. Yeah. They're worth an absolute fortune. They, I had one. Uh, they were built, I believe they were built on the, uh, the van platform. Yeah. Um, and it was bright orange. The windshield folded down. Yeah. In the summertime, I think we took the roof right off, the fabric roof, put the windshield down, and that was the way it was all summer. Were they posi track? Do you remember, like, some of the Volkswagens, they had their posi track. That's why they were turning them into doom buggies and things like that. Right. I don't think it was. I think when I dropped the clutch, it only left one tire mark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and underpowered as hell. Yeah, but fun. Yeah, it, it's the fun factor, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the good. Volkswagen Carmagia. Yes. Oh, I mean that was pretty car. You don't see those too much anymore either. But yeah, and nice lines. It was kind of the affordable um, uh, Porsche 356A. Right. Yeah. It was a. It was a really good looking car. Um, and traditional, I mean, there's Intermechanica, I believe, yeah. still make them, make yeah. the convertible version. Um, the, the coupe was used for racing. My God, that was such a cool car. I remember as a kid, I mean, that's when I was sort of introduced to fractions. When I was a kid, I remember looking at the dash of some of these German cars, and you would have one, one, one slash two, one slash four. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> looking at it, well, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, as a young kid going, you know, because we didn't have those type of 
uh, we didn't, some of those, our dashboards were so different. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the North American dashboard to the European car dashboard growing up, you know, it's, you could always tell a North American car just by looking at the way they designed the the dashboard. Yeah. Um, there, there was more style and flair in the European designs. And then you got the Japanese, which was very practical, yeah. uh, functional. Yeah. Yeah. I fell in love with the Japanese cars at a, such an early age because um, very quickly when you're turning a wrench on cars and you see that you're spending more time turning a wrench when you see other people driving around these cars and that they were bulletproof. Yeah. I slowly, and, you know, when you're, when you're on a budget and you're a student and, you know, trying to pay for school and living on your own and uh, you, you know, you start to shift your focus on something, reliability becomes, uh, start to, it starts to move up the, up the line over style almost. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it does. It does. You, you have to swallow your pride and buy a car, buy a commuter. <laughs> yeah, but then they started to take off on their own. I mean, I think, um, you know, the Fast and Furious kind of definitely uh, brought those Japanese cars up into the level where the muscle cars were. I remember hearing the first time back in the, geez, probably early 90s. Yeah. No, mid 90s around there is when hearing about like you're hearing like Honda Civic engines that are able to put out, you know, 400, 500 horsepower. Yeah, and they're on the drag strip doing it. Right. When you knew that the all the big blocks, that's what big blocks are putting out. Yeah. And you're thinking, how is that absolutely possible? But because basically the little motorcycle engines, they put these little cars. Yeah. Lightweight, a lot of power, ton of boost, high compression, yeah. fun little cars. Yeah. I was in high school. I think every kid had at one point had a 1977 or 78, those old little tiny Civics with yes. pneumatic. Yeah. Every kid had one. And they were just, and to this day, if I could ever have uh, a you know, nostalgic car sitting in my driveway or sitting in my garage, that would love to show off. It'd be one of those. So that there's, see, that's, that's interesting to have. Not necessarily would you want to have like the most fanciest, coolest, most technical thing, just a nice, clean, classic little car to enjoy. Oh yeah. You know, it, it's simple. Um, yeah. I, geez, I don't know. I don't know what I would pick if I had to find something like that. I mean, I kind of think of an MGB or an MGB GT, but I know those are not reliable. That is not a car that, you know, you're going to get in and it's going to start for you every time. No, yeah, um, note and, and the Sunbeam is another one. I mean, they're good looking cars, but just you, you're constantly had to be tinkering and fixing something. And especially if you're over here on this side of the pond, where the hell are you going to find parts oh. and chasing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's just tough to do. So, I mean, I would probably want like a, um, I don't know, a late, like what, what year would it be? God, uh, the Mustang 2. I don't know <laughs> why, but I like those cars. The Cobra. Remember the Cobra, how 70s or 80s? Yeah, that Cobra they were sort was? of the roundish, they sort of almost yeah. like a hatchback. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had the giant louvers on the back window. You know, that, that was... That was freaking sweet. <laughs> the Comet. Do you remember the Mercury? I think the Ford yes, Com Mercury Comet. Those little Comet cars, they were quite uh, popular. Yeah, the Mercury version of the Ford Maverick. Yes. Yeah, yeah. they look like that. Yeah, it's cool stuff, man. Cool before, stuff. They, before they started doing the box style. Yeah, before the Fox body came in, which was a great platform and brilliant platform. But just not as cool as the <laughs> as the the cobra with the monster snake now the monster snake on the hood now that i i totally slipped by this and this is a big mistake i i've made here to mention is there 
the the cars that a car that really means a lot to me that if I could have I yeah. okay I'm driving it and I don't care what anybody thinks I'm I I'm enjoying it I'm just driving it people are gonna laugh and point but I don't care is a 1977 Trans Am with a big chicken on the hood. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that car speaks to me in volumes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, our influences back then. You got Smokey and the Bandit. You got the Dukes of Hazards, Night Rider. I mean, geez. oh yeah, the, the the shitty Trans Am that they had in there was a shitty car. But I mean, you couldn't as you're a kid, you would your jaw would drop if you saw one. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was our Ferraris. That was our exotics, yeah. right? When I was a kid, I could draw the Dukes of Hazard car with my eyes closed from any angle. <laughs> well, it's just a rectangle almost, isn't it? No, but all the little curves, all the little indents that they had in it. I, you know, you see those cars so often. I still, to this day, there was a, in my hometown, there was a, somebody took a, a charger and they did it up like the General Lee. You know, to this day, I still get giddy every time I see the damn car. Oh, man, that's so cool. It is. It is so cool. Now, talking about cars and hometowns and all that kind of things, you and I were going to talk uh, talk a bit about how, you know, we're looking at how we grew up with cars, and you're talking about turning a wrench, and you know, I talked yeah. about my, the old 63 Polar I had with, I kept three or four pairs of points in the glove box with some matches. <laughs> so, because yeah. every once in a while it would pop a set of points, and I'd use yeah. the matchbox to set the point, set the gap, and I'd drive away. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button below. CD World is made possible by listeners like you, and we thank you for your support. But So, moving ahead, you know, what's happening to the car culture? It's changing. I mean, there, there's so many influences. There's the price of fuel. There's the price of the car. Yeah. There's insurance, which we know is just... That's a whole other episode. Yeah. Um, don't have the the space. Don't have the time. This new new generation. You know, they're spending two hundred dollars a month on cell phone bills. You and I were spending it on beer and gasoline. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's changed. Yeah. Um, good at, for the I guess for environmentally good. Yeah. And but yet for gearheads, it's not too good. No, but people, so when you, I think when you and I were growing up too, luxury wasn't really, uh, luxuries were only in the Cadillacs, they were in the Buicks, they were in the Oldsmobiles yeah. and stuff like that. And and a lot of the older folks would drive those cars because they that was their status symbol about how they made it in life. So they would drive a Cadillac down the road, which was like a, you know, a, a, driving a sofa down the road. Whereas yeah. the rest of us, I mean, I loved the feel of, I love the feel of a stick shift. I love the feel of a you know, a, a little tiny car that I can feel every little bump in the road. I can feel <laughs> the steering wheel. I didn't, you know, didn't have power steering and all that stuff like that. So right, right. You, got to, you got to know. And so the driving the car would be an experience. An example of that, I remember uh, my dad had a 1962 Ford, sort of the F100s or F150s, they called them back. Yeah, yeah, F100s. Yeah. And it had the three in the tree and the big, long clutch. And it was like bench seat with no, no seat belts in it. That thing was an experience. You were dancing all the time driving that thing down the road just to keep it in a straight line. Yeah. And, you know, eventually, like, yes, it was fun, and, and, and you became part of the car, 
and you got to really experience the car itself. But I think that culture sort of dying out as cars became with power steering, um, uh, power brakes, had all these nice little cool features. You start to become more comfortable in the car and you have to do less. You have to, it's less work. Now, you're not as fatigued after driving it, but (laughs) I I do kind of miss that, you know, sometimes. And all the cars today, I mean, now, uh, uh, what was that? I was driving a car with, um, what do you call it? Uh, Electric steering. power steering thing and I noticed I think it was a Hyundai car even though it had this nice six speed in it I could you know the steering just felt something to get used to and and you didn't quite feel the same connection to the road and I just find that maybe that is something that's kind of going out the way of the dodo bird because now we're getting into auto drive and it's more of with the bells and whistles and the bluetooth and and you know things like that more than what's under the hood or what the the car feels yeah, like is the new version of Hot Rods is buying an electric car, putting a set of wheels on its stickers, right. and downloading an app to make it go quicker. Yeah. Like it, it, and and something you know, just listening to what you were saying, just brought me into one of the first cars I drove. Manual transmission was a Model T. Like <laughs> not that old. But my dad had one, and, and this is back when he was selling, buying, selling cars to keep us going through the recession. And the, it was, it was, you know, you had it, the the clutch. I think there was four pedals. I couldn't tell you what the fourth one. Maybe it was the, the had a foot choke. It had all these switches and everything. And and you did. It's a dance while you're driving this car. You actually had to make everything worked for it to move forward had a hand throttle had a foot throttle had everything um that nowadays like i said it's it's the biggest thing with the with a tesla is staying awake while the car is in auto drive yeah yeah i like to drive i like to same i want to be in control yeah i want to hear the gears i want to feel the vibration through the gear shift yeah i want to smell the gas when i give it too much gas when i'm trying to start it and flooding it and then kicking at the pedal trying to turn off the choke yeah you know it, it's i'm missing that and yeah. this generation is also missing it um uh old guys right older than us who do you see driving a nice cool old hot rod an old guy yeah because they've had it forever they're the only ones that can afford it. When this next generation comes, uh, they pass on. They want to hand that hot rod down to somebody. Yeah. Are they going to have the money to keep it? Are they going to have the space to store it? Are they going to have the ability to maintain it? I just see this stuff getting destroyed. Yeah. I find, too, is, uh, like, for example, say at work, there's a Ford F-150. And this Ford F-150 that, uh, that I was driving, it's got the automatic uh beam changes so with the automatic high beam changes you know it's not even it's not even uh it, you know i don't even have to do anything it just changes on its own yes it was weird i yeah. remember a button on the floor the the high beam yeah <laughs> now it's automatic yeah and and it was you had to really hoof it my polaris i think he almost had to kick it to get it to come on the yeah. high moons and it was that tonk tonk and they would come on but yeah now it's like the headlights come on on its own my friend of mine had a trans am beautiful um one of the last few years of the trans am with the pop-up headlights oh, oh yeah and it had uh ws6 i think it was and he 
God, that thing went pretty good. Yeah. But it had a sensor on the dashboard that would turn the headlights on automatically. And of course, that means the eyes popped up. You'd yeah. be driving through a tunnel and the eyes pop up and it would take forever to go back down. <laughs> Automation, man. Sometimes it's not that good. But yeah. I, I sometimes fantasize about a world where the complication or the detail of this stuff can kind of go to the side. I, I, I don't want to live with that technical, that technology. I just want to have the simple and enjoy what the basics of a car is. A Model T, uh, Model A or Model T, doesn't matter. I've got a crank start if, it, if the battery's dead. It's just the basic cars. If anything breaks, I can see it right in front of me. Yeah. I know some of them don't even have side windows. Some of them have roll-up windows. They just got canvas. I look underneath the hood. There's four wires, one to each corner of the car for a light. Yeah. You know, I don't know. There's a real, I don't know, something kind of cool about that, isn't it? Yeah, I think, too, with the electric culture that's coming now, and I'm embracing it, but at the same time, the one thing that we're going to look at is is uh, what we're going to see, as I overheard on the radio, uh, they're talking about uh, car companies are looking at subscriptions. So once they sell you the car, once they sell you the car, it's not it. Uh, they, they have to sell you updates and sell you subscriptions to keep A you. Subscription to your car? Well, yeah, for all kinds of things, and you know, because they gotta. You know, I think the dealers gotta make money somehow. They gotta try yeah. to rip you off somehow. So, um, <laughs> you know, they can't. It's if it's not under your hood. You know, well, they're gonna try. They're gonna try to do it a different way. It's all software based, right? That just like your iPhone or whatever it may be, they got to sell you updates. Yeah, that's sort of the direction where it's sort of at. Mm, I don't know. That even makes my Model T even more attractive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it it's really fun to, to think about where this is going and where things are going. I, mean, we, I think you and I just covered the entire world of, uh, or the history of automobiles. Um, there are so many things we can talk about. I know we're going to be talking about this again. Um, maybe we'll jump in more on the topics. Is we should probably each pick a car and talk each other into wanting to have it. <laughs> you can talk me into a into a Tesla, and I'll talk you into a Model T. <laughs> haven't even, we haven't even talked about four wheel drives yet. Oh God, we could do a whole thing on the on the Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, this has been a lot of fun. This is our first car one. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, and we're going to do some more. I think we, we're, we're going to do a bunch more stuff about cars. Well, count me in because uh, I, I love this topic. I can keep talking and talking. I try to if I talk about this at home. My wife's eyes just glaze over. Yeah, <laughs> we have that, that same problem. And, and probably how, uh, they'll probably glaze over when you told her that we recorded this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or her first answer is going to be why. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Clint. Uh, this has been great. Um, in closing, again, I'd like to thank everybody here for tuning in and listening uh, and, and uh, enjoying this ride in the CD world. Um, thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy, and take care, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys all next time. Goodbye. Soon. See ya. Thank you for joining us in our little CD world where we try to make your life a little more colorful. Be sure to tune in for our next show that will surely remove the boredom with fun topics that you'll love, all available on ACAST.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CD World, or you'd simply like to tell a friend about the show. That will help us out, too. I am your announcer, Craig Wilmot. All original music performed by legendary Freya Bird.
Until next time, stay safe.